From WSCFM and HD1 Columbia, I'm Justin Walsh. And I'm Lydia Blackstone. This is Politically Inclined from WUSC News. up on this week's show, we'll talk to South Carolina Democratic Party Chair Trav Robertson about his takeaways from the DNC convention, what he thought about Joe Biden and Kamala Harris's performances, and what Democrats need to do before November. Also, the RNC convention ended last week, leaving the Republican Party energized as well. What can President Trump do past the convention to garner support? USC student Robert Cathcart is here with us to discuss that later in the show. All that and more coming up on this week's episode of Politically Inclined. First, the news. Live from WUSC News, I'm Kaylee Olivas. The fight against racial inequality continued today as numerous student-athletes took a stand and participated in a campus demonstration. The Gamecock football team canceled all activities today so they could be a part of this event. As WUSC's Kendall Smith reports, student-athletes are making their voices heard. Earlier today, the South Carolina football team, along with other student athletes, participated in a campus demonstration aimed at standing against racial inequality. The team canceled their plans to practice today in order to participate in the demonstration, which was held on Green Street around 945 this morning. Players sported T-shirts that read matter is the minimum while at the demonstration. Coach Will Muschamp noted that the purpose of the demonstration was to show the team support for racial equality in opposition to police brutality. Kendall Smith, WUSC News. A new message was painted on the side of Russell House today that was directed towards President Kaslin. With rising numbers of positive COVID cases on campus, the message called for a total shutdown of the university. As WUSC's War Jollis reports, those numbers are expected to rise dramatically when new case numbers are released tomorrow. A painted message directly addressing U of SC President Bob Caslin was graffitied onto the side of Russell House this morning. The message read, Mr. Caslin, shut it down, calling for the university to close after over 500 students tested positive for coronavirus over the past two weeks. The message was covered up during the USC football team's Black Lives Matter protest this morning, also outside of Russell House. And it was power washed off of the building later. The university COVID-19 dashboard says that there are currently 557 total active cases on USC's campus right now, but that number is expected to rise significantly when new case numbers are released tomorrow. Also, WUSC News has confirmed that at least nine houses in Greek Village are now in quarantine and six have been suspended after hosting large gatherings. In addition, 15 students have also been suspended. War Jealous, WUSC News. On Saturday, an organization called the Racial Justice Network held their first of what they hope to be weekly protests. While this organization is new in Colombia, it has been a supportive force behind many protests all around the country and around the world. From 1 to 3 p.m., the group marched up Main Street in Colombia in memory and support of South Carolina's victims of police brutality and their families. The group plans to stop their marches at the South Carolina courthouse every week as a symbolic act regarding the treatment of black people by the justice system in this state. 
after the shooting of Jacob Blake, as well as two other protesters in Kenosha, Wisconsin. President Trump wants to make an appearance in the city to ensure the people their safety. Wisconsin's governor urges President Trump to reconsider his visit. As WUSC's Cadence Tomlinson reports, the people of Wisconsin don't want another task force showing up. They want change. President Trump will be traveling to Kenosha, Wisconsin on Tuesday to meet with law enforcement officials and assess the damage done by recent protests in the area, sparked by the shooting of Jacob Blake, a black man, by a white Kenosha police officer. ABC reports that this week, two people were killed at the protests and another seriously injured in the aftermath of the shooting. On Sunday, Wisconsin Democratic Governor Tony Evers urged President Trump in a letter to reconsider his visit to Wisconsin. The governor took to Twitter earlier to share his letter alongside a statement that claimed, the people of Wisconsin don't want another task force or more delays. They want action and results. Governor Evers called a special session last week urging lawmakers to take action on a number of bills regarding police brutality, including a ban on chokeholds and no-knock searches. San Francisco Gate reports that Wisconsin Republicans refused to take action during the sessions recessing in both the Senate and the Assembly in under 30 seconds. Cadence Tomlinson, WUSC News. The Dow Jones Industrial Average fell 223 points today. The Nasdaq rose about 79 points and the S&P 500 fell by 7 points. It's currently 90 degrees outside, mostly cloudy, with a low of 73 tonight. The high for tomorrow is 91 with a low of 75. I'm Kayla Olivas and you're listening to... WUSC News. It's 614. Spurs up, mass up, Gamecocks. I'm University of South Carolina student body president Izzy Rushton. And I'm President Bob Caslin. Let's prevent the spread of COVID-19. Keep your distance, no matter the location. Get tested. Wash your hands. Wear face coverings. In class and on campus, in restaurants, and in every social setting around Columbia. And take the I Pledge Columbia promise. We are Gamecocks, so Spurs up. Masks up, Gamecocks. We'll We'll get get through through this this together. together. A social distancing tip. Putting distance between yourself and others is critical to slowing the spread of coronavirus. So here are ways to stay in contact without the physical contact part. Call, send a text, set up a video conference, post on social media, dedicate a song on the radio. If you have symptoms of fever, dry cough, and shortness of breath, call your health care provider before going to their office. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part. Because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. A social distancing tip. Putting distance between yourself and others is critical to slowing the spread of coronavirus. So here are ways to stay in contact without the physical contact part. Call, send a text, set up a video conference, post on social media, dedicate a song on the radio. If you have symptoms of fever, dry cough, and shortness of breath, call your health care provider before going to their office. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part. Because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. We know Girls Rock, and we want them to know it too. Through the transformative power of music, Girls Rock Columbia encourages youth to cultivate confidence and command an audience. Our summer camp teaches campers the basics of rock instruments and culminates in a live performance with their newfound bandmates. But it does so much more. It teaches daring and bravery that last far beyond adolescence. It celebrates diversity of sound, skin color, and identity. When a camper sees they can tackle a guitar rhythm with gusto, they begin a fearless path toward lifelong confidence and resilience. For more info and to be involved, go to girlsrockcolumbia.org. Vision loss 
is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. Three million Americans have glaucoma and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. Visit brightfocus.org to learn more. listening to Politically Inclined from WSC News. I'm Justin Walsh. The first completely virtual DNC excited Democrat voters with strong showings from Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden and his vice president candidate, Senator Kamala Harris. Democratic party leaders from all across the country spoke at the convention, including former President Barack Obama, to appeal to voters' emotions and explain why they think that another term for President Trump would be devastating. The question is, did they do enough to get voters to turn out in November? Here with me now to give his answer to this question in South Carolina Democratic Party Chair Trav Robertson. Trav, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, it's great to be here. I, I haven't been in your studio in a long, long time, but uh, I'm glad to be here, even if it's virtually. Happy to have you here. So first off, um, this being the first ever completely virtual DNC, uh, do you believe it was an overall success and had a similar effect on the public as it would have if it would have had, had been in person? What's your take on it? I, I, I think that uh, we tried to... to to do the best that we possibly could. I, obviously, I think that uh, the two conventions were very different night and day. I think there were two very different messages. Um, and I, I do think that the Democrats did a very good job of creating a circumstance that included as many people possible as possible uh, and safely and uh, laying out a vision for a better America. Absolutely. So in your perspective, what were some standout moments from the DNC like this year? There was a lot of people speaking. What caught your attention? What stood out to you? Well, I mean, you're always excited when uh, South Carolinians participate. And, you know, we're always excited to have Jim Clyburn speak. I think Senator Moore Kempson had a role as well. Um, and, And for me personally, when you're an early presidential primary state, whether it's Republican or Democrat, you get a chance to meet these people. And so um, one of the things that I enjoyed was every night, an hour before the actual convention started, uh, we had a Southern regional meeting and, and we did things. And so, you know, West Virginia and South Carolina hosted Monday night. Uh, we had, you know, five, 600 people on this and we we just really enjoyed Uh, being together because we would be doing that in person at a convention. And then um, at the end of the day, you had an exciting, I think that Barack Obama gave a very uh, interesting, unique speech. I mean, uh, Michelle Obama was fantastic, but one of the most fun things we did was we had Cory Booker lead um, uh, one of our Southern events right before uh, Thursday night, right before. And we had, you know, elected officials and former presidential candidates all on that. And it was that was pretty fun because, like I said, we all know each other. We got to see each other and we would all we all missed being in person. And, and then after the convention started, anyone who wanted to say stay in that Zoom and we could all talk about the speeches, we all stayed in it. And so it was really interesting because we had to kick people out of it uh, late at night. But 
there's no question. I think that Michelle Obama uh, was fantastic, as I did uh, Barack Obama. Um, it was pretty interesting. And then, you know, I, I think that Joe Biden and Senator Harris uh, did the, the best that we could possibly do under the circumstances. And I, and I did think it was cool uh, when they walked out at the drive-in theaters and people were honking their horns and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So um, just an overall perspective for you. What are your thoughts on Joe Biden as the Democratic candidate and his choice as Kamala Harris as his running mate? Do you believe it was a smart move? What's your What's your take on it? I do think it's a smart move. I think that when you um, when you look at their records, uh, you're going to see uh, two individuals who are not to the far left. They're not to the far right. They are where most Americans are. And I think that that is when when you're adding up. Remember, elections are about addition, not subtraction. And you're trying to figure out a way to to add votes uh, to your column. And I think that this ticket does that. And it also paints a very clear uh, uh, picture, portrait for the future of our country. Um, and and so I think that's that's the most significant thing is that it you've got two very safe candidates um, and two candidates who are not radicals uh, to one side of an issue to another side of an issue. And I think that that makes that makes for a very good ticket. Absolutely. And um, so I wanted to go back to you said Barack Obama was definitely a standout uh, part of the of the DNC. So um, one of his main points of discussion during his speech revolved around like why another term with Donald Trump would be detrimental to our country. What's your right. what's your point of view with this? Do you support it? Is it true? And why? Uh I watched every bit of both conventions, and that's not me as chairman of a party. That's me as an American and something that I have done uh, since I was a very young kid. Um, And it also gives you the opportunity to understand how your candidates are going to be attacked during a campaign. I'm going to get to your question in just a minute, was the most telling speeches were Donald Trump Jr. and Rudy Giuliani. Mm. And I think that Barack Obama is right. Um, And I think that the coded language that was used in the Republican Party is done so uh, in order to create fear and feed on the worst parts of the human psyche and human nature. And I think that Barack Obama is correct. Um, if I, I don't think that the, the norms we are, are seeing uh, uh, from this president are, are not normal um, to the extent that I, I feel like my ninth grade geography teacher and my AP history teacher lied to me. Never in my life did I ever think that we would have a discussion about a president even jokingly saying, no, I would not vacate the office. I never thought I would live to see the day that a president attacks the United States Post Office in order to scare the hell out of people from mailing a ballot. So, I mean, there are some things that we're seeing. I never thought I would see, you know, one of the things that that the 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 Republicans did in North Carolina and Florida, they couldn't have their convention because of COVID. 
but yet they can bring a group of people to the lawn of the White House under the guise of COVID. Why couldn't they just have their convention in North Carolina? I don't get it. If they weren't going to observe, I mean, I looked at those pictures. There were none of, I think there was only one to two people wearing masks. Um, so I just think there was a clear, that, that the answer question is yes. I believe that Donald Trump feels rules do not apply to him. Like when he turned around and said, this is my house um, instead of the people's house. Uh, I think that we are paying millions of dollars to two hotels for Donald Trump. Any other president would have been indicted and arrested for doing so. And I I think that it is concerning um, that the things we believe, the norms that we believe in, are being attacked by a president who just simply operates under a different set of rules. I had a reporter for CNN text me the other day, and she told me, a former reporter for CNN, she texted me and she says, you know, this is fascinating. And she goes, you Democrats just play by a different set of rules. And that that's essentially what you've got right now. You've got Democrats that operate as though the rules matter and exist, and the Republicans have thrown the rules out the window, and they simply don't care. And they're winning. And unless Democrats modify the way in which we campaign, uh, then we're gonna we're gonna continue to lose. It's a very interesting take. And I just want um, so I know you said that you're an avid like. You've taken into account both sides. You watched the DNC. You watched the RNC. What besides the fact that one was virtual, one was in person? What were the biggest like, contrasts between the two conventions? Oh, I, I I could not believe conventions are about creating a contrast, but they are also creating the persona and the message and the story of your candidate. And I find it fascinating. For example, Joe Biden had this young boy with a stutter, and they created an opportunity to tell that story and Joe Biden's story. They talked about his wife, his daughter, his sons, and and his, his Jill. They created a story. Donald Trump Jr.'s speech was one of the most vitriolic speeches that I have ever heard at a a convention, Democrat or Republican. And Rudy Giuliani's speech was one of the most fascinating speech, uh, that fascinating speeches that I have ever heard in my entire life. And I think that the only person at the Republican National Convention whose oratorical skills was the, what you needed to paint that picture was Ivanka Trump. She did what the president, and I think it, the, the first lady did a very good job, too. Um, but the, the, the imagery was much different. You had, a, you, you had in the Republicans, by God, we're uh, macho, we're, we're going to be here. Uh, you, they're going to they're gonna ruin the suburbs. They're, your security's threatened. They will riot in every street in America. That was the vision that came out. So we know from that Republican convention, we know exactly what they're going to say about Jamie Harrison. We know what they're going to say about uh, all of the candidates running for Congress. We know what they're going to say. They're going to try and craft a message based on fear and hatred of people that don't look like me. 
And that's an unfortunate part of, of what we saw this past week. And I, it's going to be interesting in a state that has over a million registered non-white voters. Uh, and, 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 and we, you know, 56 and a half percent of the registered voters in this state are women. And in 2018, we were 46,000 votes shy of having 1 million women vote. 200,000 more women than men voted. And you saw an increase of 31.4% of non-white voters over 2014. So there is a very interesting uh, uh, electorate in this state. And it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that reconciles with the, the different messages. Interesting. And final question. We're just running short on time. Um, the biggest question is, did they do enough to get voters to turn out in November? What's your point of, point of view on that? I, 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 I think the premise, it's a great question. I think the premise is flawed. We have 60 some odd days left. That's a lifetime right now. I think what they, they did was they energized their base. The Democrats did. I think the Republicans did. And those are the individuals that will be working to turn out voters over the next 60 some odd days. Um, so, I mean, I think that, that the Republicans did a great job at energizing their base. And I think Democrats did too. Thank you so much, Trev. That's that's all the time we have, but I thank you so much that's for being good. here. That was okay. South Carolina Democratic Party Chair Trav Robertson. We'll be right back. distancing tip. Keeping your distance from others is important in slowing the spread of coronavirus. So here are some fun things to do alone. Read a book, take a walk, unpack your suitcase from that trip you took last September, paint a self-portrait, catch up on a TV series, do a puzzle. Remember, we should all stay home to lower the risk for everyone. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Social distancing slows the spread of coronavirus, so stay a minimum of six feet away from others and stay home if you can. More info at coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part, because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. listening to Politically Inclined from WUSC News. I'm Lydia Blackstone. The Republican National Convention wrapped up just last week with a controversial speech from President Trump on the White House South Lawn. Republican politicians enthusiastically sounded their support for the president, including former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley and Senator Tim Scott. Trump pitched himself as a leader protecting the world from from the Democratic Party, stating that a Biden presidency would give free reign to violent anarchists agitators and people that are anti-America. Did the Republicans do what is necessary to energize their base and pull in new voters? Here to talk with me about this is senior history student Robert Cathcart. Robert, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor and a privilege. Well, Robert, it's great to have you. And what do you think, sir, are some of the biggest takeaways from the RNC this week? 
Sure. So some of the things I noticed, first of all, it's wonderful to see a great South Carolina having such a great moment in the convention, seeing both Nikki Haley and Tim Scott give their speeches and sort of lay out a vision for the future of America was wonderful. Uh, they're both wonderful leaders on the national stage as well as on a state stage. So that was really great. Uh, but what really stood out to me was seeing ordinary Americans being allowed to speak, um, not just sort of the party big wigs and people who are who've been involved in this for years, the ordinary Americans who are heavily affected by policies that are passed on a national level. Um, in particular, uh, whenever they were talking, they had ordinary businessmen and women come up and talk about how the president, the Trump administration has supported them, as well as the success of the payroll protection program, things like that. That really stood out to me as a moment uh, for ordinary Americans and not just people who are heavily involved in their parties. A lot of the Democratic Party is saying that President Trump's acceptance speech location is quite questionable. The White House lawn um, violates the Hatch Act of 1939, which bars federal federal officials from taking place in any political events on federal property. Um, do you think this is unethical, Robert? Sure. So I think one of the things you have to consider in this case is sort of the unprecedented times, right? Um, so the president, they last minute canceled the convention. The president wanted to travel. To be honest, I think he saved the taxpayer money. In terms of all the specific legalities, I'd leave that to his uh, lawyers to litigate. Um, I prefer to focus on sort of the themes of the convention. But I will say uh, I appreciate the way in which he didn't travel somewhere else. He didn't try to go instead of a convention in some large center, use more taxpayer money as well as more risk of getting other people infected. Yes, um, it was supposed to be in Charlotte, but then moved um, to the White House lawn. Um, So what do you think about this year's DNC compared to the RNC? What do you think the main contrasts are between those besides everything? (laughs) For sure, right. So there were some major uh, contrasts. I unfortunately was not able to watch the entire convention as law school had just started. Uh, So that was a little difficult to be doing both my readings and watching a ton of the convention. However, from what I did see, uh, the biggest difference was the Democratic National Convention looked sort of like a Zoom call. Um, the Republican National Convention, uh, they got the aesthetics right. Uh, so they had the podium uh, up to which pretty much every speaker walked, even if they were pre-recorded. I thought that was beautifully done. Um, watching it, it felt like I was watching a live convention that was actually happening in real time, watching the Republican Convention. Whereas the Democratic Convention, from an aesthetic standpoint, it seemed like everyone was sort of zooming in and you were just hoping the Internet connection would work, sort of like we are here. Um, but one of the biggest themes in terms of things in terms of themes was I saw a message of hope from the Republican Party. Um, the Republican Party said, look, I know we're in a horrible time, but we built this economy. We'll be able to rebuild after the coronavirus pandemic passes through. And President Trump really made his case for the average American, not just those who are big party donors, not just those um, who have sort of where they carve out these special exemptions, but for every single American, every American can do well in a Trump's America. And the Democratic uh, candidate or the Democratic National Convention, rather, they're really focused on tearing down President Trump more than anything else. And while negative campaigning always seems to work, I know as a voter, I would prefer to see a little bit of positive messaging. And I think the Republican National Convention did that well. And they chose their speakers well. Um, and I, I think it was really a very cohesive thesis. This is what you're getting with the party. This is the kind of success we've had in the past. And we will push forward to the future for more successful tomorrow. Yes, there was um, not many masks or social distancing at the RNC this year. Um, What do you think about that? What's your opinion on that? For sure. Well, I think some of it is personal responsibility, right? Um, A lot of people came in expecting that there weren't going to be a lot of people wearing masks in the crowd. A lot of people didn't. Um, That's sort of their own choice, I would argue. 
Um, I think if there were a policy instated that said you had to wear them, then they should have. However, seeing as that that wasn't the case, people assumed the risk to be there if they wished to be there at all. Yes. Um, so some of our South Carolina officials were there and they actually got to speak, um, Senator Tim Scott and Nikki Haley. What do you think are some of the biggest takeaways um, from both of those speeches? Right. Well, A, um, no matter what party you're part of, we can all agree they're excellent speakers. I think the most poignant moment of the entire convention, honestly, was Senator Tim Scott's speech. We talked about the way in which his family went from cotton to Congress, and I believe it was four generations. Um, I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. That is something that brings one to tears. Um, To think about the the amount of progress our nation has made in few generations, um, the fact that he is now a U.S. senator, uh, when he, he was talking about his grandfather couldn't even read, but would always hold a newspaper at the table to show him the value of reading. Um, Senator Tim Scott is a real gift, I think, to our nation and to our state. Uh, he is a wonderful senator. Um, he's extremely eloquent. And I appreciate the way in which he's able to um, inform our policy in the party. I think particularly his uh, criminal justice bill recently was a massive success for the party, uh, though unfortunately it was stonewalled by the Democratic Party. Yes. And what was your opinion on Nikki Haley? I think uh, Nikki Haley did a wonderful job. Um, She's always been a very poised speaker. I really appreciated seeing her there with all of her South Carolina regalia. Um, it's, It's just great to see our state represented. No matter what convention, anything like that, it's just good to see South Carolinians going out there. For some reason, South Carolina has always been a major leader on the national stage. Um, we've never had a president, sure, uh, though, you know, perhaps there's a little bit of debate about that. Uh, but we've always had a strong national hand. And I just love to see South Carolinians going out there and, uh, you know, honestly, on both sides speaking at conventions and being leaders in the nation. Yes. And last question for you um, today, Robert, is um, do you think that the Republican Party rallied enough support for four more years of Donald Trump as president? I definitely think so. Um, You know, going into the convention, I I know myself and several other of my Republican friends um, through the Federation of College Republicans and college Republicans here on campus were, you know, feeling a little perhaps down about the election. Right. Um, You know, politics sometimes can be a bit... What's the word? Depressing. Uh, whenever you're just continually looking at that news feed. But what I saw was a message of positivity and hope for the entire United States of America, for the great state of South Carolina, and for us as college students. President yeah. Trump is there for every single candidate. Thank you. I'm, I'm going to have to cut you off there, Robert. But thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, we'll be right back. Well, that's all we have for this week episode of Politically Inclined. Make sure to tune in every Monday at 6 p.m. for the week's biggest polit- political stories. Politically Inclined is a production by WSC News and is produced by Stephanie Justice and War Jollis. The outreach coordinator for Politically Inclined is Julie Crosby and the music for Politically Inclined is called Fluffy by Smith the Mister. You can go to uh, find other news shows and WUSC newscast at garnetmediagroup.org. Live from WUSC News in Columbia, I'm Lydia Blackstone. And I'm Justin Walsh. This is Politically Inclined.